Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Build Shop Podcast. I am one half of the hosting crew and I'd like to welcome my co-host to the show, Mike. How's it going? I'm good. It's nice to be uh, nice to be back in uh, chilly old Canada and uh, back into the office, which is good. I feel like there was there was one day where we got good weather with us. I know I think it was, was it yesterday or Saturday. It was a um, trying to think. It was like 16 or 17 degrees where I am walking around outside with a t-shirt, taking down Christmas lights. Finally, unfortunately, I couldn't get the high ones down because I was not getting up on a ladder when it was blowing like 75 kilometers an hour. Yeah, it was warm, but it was windy. Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely windy. The little one asked me if she could fly a kite, and I was like, "Yeah, I think we're probably going to lose it if we fly a kite today." So, uh, not really, um, not really ideal. I would say it was a it was definitely like a five club wind. Easily. Yeah, I know uh, that's. I, I I can remember my uh, my wife mentioned that one time. It was like really windy outside, and the first thing she said was, "It's like a three club wind out there." And I thought, "God, this is why I married you." <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> um, but there there is a lot to talk about this week. You know. We're, we're getting closer to the majors. We are now, I checked the countdown clock, 30, 30 days plus a little bit of time until the first round of the Masters, which is very cool. But, uh, you know, to kick it off, it was a, in a tournament that came after the Masters. It started off before the Masters. It is back before the Masters again, and that is the players. And we are going to touch on that uh, a little bit later in the show. But uh, how could we not kick it off with Scotty Scheffler's win? This is a guy that Everyone was waiting for him to win. He was on the Ryder Cup team. It was like, you know, he's on the Ryder Cup team. He's never won before. And now uh, two out of his last three events, he is now the winner. And he won at Bay Hill. What did you think of the win? Crazy. I mean, I, I watched the last kind of hour of golf and it was funny. Like he won. It's like almost he didn't realize he won. Um, it, even like in the interview, it was very, like very last minute shocking offer for him, which is, which is funny. So um, yeah, really cool. I mean, the guy's a, absolute player um great leaderboard for most of the week i uh i don't remember who i picked but i know in a pool i had i had rory and he was doing decently well the first two days and then he started three putting and kind of all went away from there but uh i mean between hovland and you know scotty and billy horschel was up there and uh gary woodland had it had a little sniff of it at one point i mean really good leaderboard i loved how all the players like you know Poulter and those boys, I mean, that's a home game for them, but they were just talking about how much they love the golf course and, you know, it is tough. It definitely has some teeth. And I think Poulter made a comment. He's like, you know, us open at Bay Hill, nudge, nudge. And I was like, man, I mean, the golf course is long enough and it's, it's tricky enough. It, it definitely, uh, that rough was thick. Like we talked about last week, it could definitely, could definitely host a major. Yeah, but it won't though. <laughs> Very true. I know it was, it was definitely thick, rough. And, uh, it was, we'll, we'll touch on course conditions in a minute, but, uh, you know, it wasn't, it was, ex, it was, I want to say it was exciting, but it wasn't, I mean, it was entertaining, but it wasn't like very exciting because, you know, it was kind of weird. I think it was, uh, so on the par five there on the back Woodland made an Eagle from a bunker. It's probably the only way he was going to find a decent lie. Uh, you know, he definitely wasn't going to find one in the rough. And uh, I, I saw him make that, and I thought for sure he was going to win. Like, you know, he made he made the eagle. It's going to work out really well. Uh, bunker shot didn't end up well in 17. That's a very tough hole. It looks like the it practically looks like the flagstick's floating away on there on the right side of the green where they always tuck it in on Sunday. And then you know the traditional pin on um, on the back on 18 as well. The the course was so like so tough. Is that something that like do you find it entertaining to that point? Like. 
at a regular quote unquote tour event, or is it something where, you know, it's like, it's kind of repetitive and boring. Like I'm just, I'm trying to gauge your idea of like what you find entertaining when it comes to watching golf. I mean, I think the point in shoot golf gets a little boring. You know, someone goes out and wins at, you know, 22, 23 under, I mean, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that, but I think having a, a bit of a challenge for these guys, I mean, they all hit it long. So, you know, it doesn't really matter a length, whether they're coming with a six iron or they're coming with a pitch wedge. I mean, they're all ball strikers. So it doesn't really matter. Um, but you know, really tucking pins and making, you know, the greens look really, really baked out for Florida greens and, you know, making them fast and firm, I think is it adds to the challenge it, it, you know, to see what was it five under or four under win a tournament. It, it's, it's nice to kind of bring these boys back to reality. And it was, it was definitely something for, from like a ball striking perspective, you had Victor Hovland, you had Gary Woodland, um, obviously Scotty, like all Billy horse, like again, players you mentioned earlier, like it was very, uh, bunched. It, it definitely brought them together. And it was, it was interesting to see, like, like you said, those, those greens were like rock. <laughs> it was yeah. insane. I know, um, for, you know, for those who haven't checked it out yet, we're going to have a lot more videos coming out this week from Orlando. Uh, we were down there during the Arnold Palmer. We left on the Friday it was hot. I, I, you know, last time I was in Florida in the springtime, I've been in the fall before. It's obviously generally very hot in the fall as well, but I had not really experienced heat like that. We saw some, you know, they're getting close to records. So you can understand how the course conditions might've even potentially gotten away from them. It's kind of hard to get a lot of water onto them and then not have it be like spongy, uh, which I thought was very interesting. And then just the overall like lushness of the golf course. Like it was, it was really lush. We were, you know, to be like, to, to give an idea of where we were relative to the golf course, like Bay Hill was not, I don't know, a stone's throw away from the club where we were at, which is orange street where we filmed a lot of our content. And no, I'd never seen a golf course in Florida look that good. If that, if that's like a nice way to put it uh, where we were. So I can only imagine with like even more budget and more grounds crew what it looked like over at Bay Hill that week. And you, you were actually there. You were just, you just worked at the equipment trucks though, right? Yeah. I, you know, I had a, I took a quick, uh, a quick walk up to uh, up to one of the holes. It was, uh, I think it was one green, two tee box and kind of 10th fairway. And um, yeah, I mean, the course looked unbelievable. I've, like I've said before, I've had the privilege to play it in high season and in low season and it's it's always in really good shape but uh yeah we were when we were at orange tree it was you know know, we were a couple blocks away from it and and even their rough was thick and lush so they've had a good uh a good growing winter cold uh cold at night and warm during the day and very little rain so it's been uh, it's been really healthy but the golf course looked unbelievable it uh it certainly was now uh another win we're talking about professional golf. Uh, there was the Puerto Rico open, but we're, we won't talk about that too much. Uh, anyway, I think is even more impressive is uh, Jin Young Ko, who has now separated herself from Nelly Corda by a whole point on the uh, official world golf rankings, the women's world golf rankings. And a big part of this win was the fact that this was her 30th round consecutively under par. The last time she shot around uh, so if I got the, if I have the stats right on this, the last time she shot around over 60 was October 21st, 2021. Mike, can you imagine even potentially doing that? Or, I mean, it's, it's kind of unheard. I mean, it's really literally unheard of as far as, uh, as golf because as well, it's a record. Yeah, I definitely can't imagine doing it. That's, that's for sure. But it's, uh, 
it's an impressive, uh, impressive feat. I mean, Jin Young Ko is an amazing golfer and she, she works with, um, with Gareth Rafleski and stuff like that. I mean, like obviously solid team. So very, very cool, um, cool win for her. And, and I did catch a little bit of that. It's just, uh, she's such a, such an amazing player. Uh, another another stat recently as well. So of the last ten events she has played in, she has won six of them. That is, you know, almost be, like sixty percent win percentage in golf is kind of ridiculous. Sixty percent win percentage in baseball is considered, you know, a good season. And you know, the last ten events, like what she's done, I know what it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of this season pans out because. She was up there. I know Nelly, uh, I think she won like three events in a very, very short period of time. And then uh, Jin Young is again back at just like this winning at this ridiculous click. And, um, you know, the majors are going to be very interesting this year. It's going to be, you know, we've got some good courses being thrown in the mix as well. And like, I think as far as entertainment value goes and the, the, of like the tournament venues and everything like that, the LPGA tour is going to be just absolutely sick to watch this year. I'm so pumped for like the rest of the season. Yeah, me too. Very, very excited. I know the, the first major is the, um, the ANA, or I guess it's like the Chevron now or something like that. Uh, so, you know, and Poppy's pond will soon be no more as they move the golf course, they move the, the location. Uh, that was something where, uh, you know, the, the LPGA tour have been looking for like a sponsor and I know, a lot of history around the golf course, but you know, things are destined to change. Unfortunately, you know, you have to sometimes take, take the money. Uh, the other interesting thing about the LPGA tour majors this year is the, the purse bump, right? Like they, I think they're up to, they are now the officially the, the most, the richest event in women's golf. And I think it's, was it $10 million? Like that's, I think I, that to me is probably the, the biggest benefit to this. I know there was some, some PGA tour players who I would say had some, to be honest, some pretty kind of stupid comments when it comes to that. Like, oh, if they've got 10, why don't we have 25? And it's like, well, that's, you know, guys, you're already making a lot. Uh, yeah. But no, I digress. Uh, but no, it was interesting. I just think uh, this year, as far as the LPGA Tour is concerned, it's going to be a very exciting year back and forth at the top. Brooke Henderson as well had another uh, top five. And the other thing too, which I believe was, I can't remember uh, where I read it. So I'm sorry, I'm not crediting the right person, but she has been using a 40 eight inch driver since, I don't know, since she was like 14. Uh, so not long before she turned professional, really. I can throw the joke in there, but she has to, because the rules of golf, you know, for professional golf has completely changed. She's now actually down to a 46 inch driver. So everyone talked about, you know, Phil using the long driver and other players using the long driver on tour. But in reality, the one player that it's really affected has been Brooke Henderson, who has now chopped two inches off her driver and will be using a 46-inch driver moving forward. And uh, I think that that's probably the biggest thing. She, I mean, Brooke is not a big person. Like, she was using a driver that almost as tall as she was. So true. So true. And I think, uh, you know, I was actually working with a player on the weekend who is a notorious for playing a very long driver. And uh, our demos play 45 and a quarter inches. Um unless it's, you know, super lightweight, we have a couple shorter stuff built. And, you know, I just said to him, I was like, listen, you're going to just get comfortable to this length for the demo purposes. And I think he played 46 inches and um, I had a couple shafts, luckily enough, just built up at 46 inches for him to test. And we were looking at like consistency of strike and, and the difference in dispersion for him. And just because he was striking it so much better, he, he knew how to deliver the club face more efficiently. I mean, 
it was night and day difference. I, I just, I just said to him, I was like, listen, I was like for the, I think he picked up like three miles an hour when he played something at 46 inches. I was like, listen, I said, I understand the three miles an hour. It's going to give you a bit more distance. I was like, but let's, let's sacrifice five yards for 10 yards, tighter dispersion. And when he, when I said that to him, he's like, yeah, that makes so much sense. And you know, now he's playing something which obviously is going to feel super short to him, but um yeah, I, I, I don't see why they're, I don't see why they're not doing it. I know um, I've been, as if we recently played, I was, I still using a like 45 and three quarter, almost four, basically it's 46 inches uh, right on the dot. And uh, I think I might have to be going shorter and, you know, and we do have a video of this, you know, you and Ian uh, did a video recently when we, we were down there, something that you'll see uh, over the next week or two of testing driver length. And the one thing that actually struck me was a comment Ian made when you guys were going back and forth with the driver length was, you know, for, first time he picked up the short driver, he was like, man, this feels like a three wood. And then immediately started hitting it, got used to it, went to the long one. And it was like, this thing feels enormous. And it really does come down to like how long that, that player's adjustment period is. Cause some players are going to adjust very quickly. Some players are going to go, you know, try something and go, this doesn't feel very comfortable at all. And after, you know, 10 swings, they don't even think about it. Do you find when you're in that, that fitting process that there's a, there's a, either like a, a, I don't want to call it a break-in period, but like this little period where someone's like get something and they're trying to get used to it. And then you see the, the improvement spike versus, you know, you know, it's kind of like, okay, you're, you're traveling along neutral and if something doesn't work, it tanks and then something else go, it starts working. The player kind of syncs up to it and then boom, they've, they've, you found a winning combo. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it, you know, it takes a little bit, uh, definitely to get used to that break in period. But I think once you can start to prove the numbers and stuff like that, it, it really clicks pretty fast for a lot of people. I know I experienced that when I, when I did the iron fit, there was a couple of times where like, I wasn't super comfortable, like right off the, right off the bat. Cause something like felt different, but different doesn't mean bad. I think that's one of the things when, when people are, are looking at clubs or looking at something that is new, it's almost like, you know, like a golf swing thing. I know you've been working on a lot of stuff in your golf swing. I'm trying to work on some stuff on mine and different means that there's something that could be potentially improving, right? From a club fitting perspective, you give something, somebody, something different and they go, Oh, this feels different. Then they try and figure it out usually that's a good thing because it means something that's going to be working better for than what they had in the past. Right. Totally. 100%. Especially like, I think the weight is a big one. A lot of people that are using too heavy and then they go into something lighter and that's like, Oh, it kind of, you know, Oh, it feels like a noodle or, or it's like feels too soft or like some type of like, Oh, my timing. But then after two swings, the third one, they're like, Oh man, this feels fantastic. And I think that's one of those, those like kind of fascinating things when people are, are in the fitting bay to go through that process because again, bad doesn't mean, or sorry, different doesn't mean bad. The, uh, it's just, it's, it's hard to like try and get someone to like make that change. It's like, it's again, I think the, of this golf swing now, I haven't really been someone who has tinkered too much with my golf swing, but as I've gotten a little older, I'm trying to gain a little, still keep that power up as much as possible. And different is definitely something where, you know, I'm looking for different. I'm trying to find different. I'm trying to find different in my golf swing. And, uh, you know, when it comes to your golf club, I think it's, it's another thing where if it feels different, it's probably potentially, especially if you're in a fitting situation, it's probably something for the better anyways. Um, now let's talk about the event at hand this week. We have the players championship at, uh, the Dremel TBC Sawgrass, like it is every year. 
And the course is looking very lush, but the weather conditions are going to be extremely interesting this week. Mike, have you had a chance to look at the forecast yet? I have not looked at the forecast yet. It's, uh, I just automatically thought Florida was nice and, uh, nice and sunny. No, not all the time. I was, uh, to, to play weatherman here, it is going to be a little bit colder and it is definitely going to be windy, which I think is going to make for a very interesting, especially on the weekend, uh, you know, trip around TPC Sawgrass. Is it a course you've ever played before? I've, I've honestly never played stadium course yet. I need to, uh, I definitely need to get that on the books. It's something that, uh, that needs to be, uh, needs to be addressed ASAP. I feel like, can you think of an, can you think of an Island green that you've ever played before? I've, I can, I can think of something that was like, kind of like it, just like, uh, like upon a par three course, but I've never played like, like even like a replica hole. That is that have you ever played like a replica of that, that hole even. I played the replica hole at wooden sticks uh, just north of the city. Um, have I played an Island green? I have, I've, uh, the eighth hole, maybe not the eighth hole, but one of the holes at the Bahia course in Punta Mita at the four seasons, you actually have to take, depending on the tide, take an amphibious golf cart. Um, and you drive through basically low tide, um, and is probably the coolest par three Island green I've ever hit a golf ball onto. And there's like a little small mound behind the green that kind of protects the back end of it. And on the back end of it, it actually drops off into 15 feet deep, uh, ocean water. So, um, it's an amazing, amazing par three. Whoa. whoa, whoa. Go back to this for a second. <laughs> Clarify this amphibious golf cart for me. So you tee off, um, I can send you a photo of it later, but you tee off. Um, it's, I think it plays a hundred and, mm, 165 yards and uh in the morning when the tide's out you can you drive your normal golf cart um to the green it's got a little roundabout up there it's a very bumpy drive because it's legitimately you're just driving on like i don't know what it's like coral it's not coral but it's like very rocky very bumpy you literally sounds like the golf cart's gonna explode um and then if it's high tide and they've and they still got that hole in play you take a golf cart that has a little bit bigger wheels and it kind of drives you across. Oh, so it doesn't have like a, like doors on it though. Right. Or does it? Uh, yeah, it has doors. It's like something that would be like knee high kind of thing. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Do it's you, a really, really cool par three. Do you remember when, uh, when Bubba Watson was, was with Oakley and they built him the, what was it? The hovercraft? Yeah. The, ho- the hovercraft. I mean, other than the noise, is the, is literally the perfect golf course vehicle. You can go across grass. It's not going to, it's not going to put any pressure. I mean, it puts the air pressure on, but it doesn't create any like pressure points. And if, I mean, if you really had to, you could fly it across water. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm curious why golf cart, like hoverboard or hovercraft uh, golf carts haven't really picked up to be honest. I mean, I mean, we see enough stupid social media, social media videos of, uh, let's say less than clever people crashing golf carts or falling them off bridges or stuff. I think, uh, Giving somebody a probably a twenty thousand dollar hovercraft is probably the probably the last thing you want to be doing to anybody. And if I actually I've never looked at the price of a hovercraft, I could be completely grossly mis uh, underestimating what that uh, what a hovercraft would cost. But uh, nonetheless, it would be a very cool vehicle to get yourself to the island green. But uh, let's 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 get to the players here. I will correct um, myself. It is 
the St. Regis, Pacifico, and it's whole 3B. 3B. So there must be yeah. a 3A. There is a 3A. I've played. I've played 3A and 3B. 3A is is a great, actually the great par three. It goes the other way of the golf course. Um, but 3B, I mean, what they do is if you're playing at um, Pacifico uh, and you play and let's say 3B is not open, it'll say you tee off early in the morning. Once you're done your 18 holes of golf, they just tell you to to drive on back, wait for the group to clear, and then play 3B just because it obviously it's very – very different Jack Nicholas design and um, the, the hole is just unbelievable. Um, yeah. It's a, it's such a cool hole. I, I can't rename the golf course. I know it's like, uh, I probably should have thought about this, but this was definitely not the conversation. This is not the way I had the conversation I to go before we got to the players, but uh, there is that course that has the Island green. That's on like the, uh, like the chain or like the track out in the lake. So oh. like, they can court lane. Is that what it is? So they can move it. They, they can literally move it really short. They can move it really far, uh, depending on the day. And then you have to take like a little trolley out to the, to the, to the green, which I know oh. like it's, it comes up on, you see on social media all the time. It's like, Oh, it's the moving, the moving Island green. And then I'm always like, yeah, that's probably the most gimmicky all you could possibly imagine. But I mean, Hey, it's a hook. We're talking about it right now. I mean, if you, if you got to, your marketing, that's that's the goal is to get people to know your, the name of your golf course. So uh, it definitely worked, but that is uh, it's not really on my bucket list of golf courses, but it'd be very interesting to see nonetheless. Uh, but let's, okay, let's talk players here. Um, so we both have not played the golf course. I've definitely played it on simulator golf. That doesn't count. Um, but, you know, going into this week, Mike, let's talk, you know, we're not, we're not talking gambling or anything like that, but like, do you have a pick? Do you think who, who's playing hot here? Who's Who has a chance? Um, interesting stat I saw today was nobody who's ever won other than I believe Adam Scott has finished top 10 the year after. So it's definitely a golf course that opens it up to a lot of players. We have people from Fred Funk winning all the way to, you know, Adam Scott and Phil Mickelson. So it's uh, it can be a very difficult golf course to, to make a pick on unless, uh, you know, someone's got a hot hand. So you got someone today? My pick, honestly, I'm not going to throw, um, I'm going to throw my name in is Adam Scott. Picking Scotty, huh? Yeah. I mean, wind Australia flew on there before. Um, yeah. I'm going to go Adam Scott. It's a bit of a, a bit of a wild card pick for me, but uh, I don't know. He's, he's been playing really well. He played well at Riff. He played decently at Bay Hill. Did he play Bay Hill? Yeah, he played Bay Hill. Yeah, he he was in the featured group with uh, Rory and uh, somebody else the first day. Yeah, he played. Uh, he played well. I think he's uh, he's definitely trending. I wouldn't uh, definitely not my uh, Augusta pick, but uh, he's definitely trending. He is he easily playing a very like quietly good year. Last year was another one as well. Um, I know it was the the tournament at the end of the year. There, he was in the like the five or six man playoff. Uh, he missed that really short one. It was like the four footer. And I know the big joke was, oh, he was looking at his, his like greens reading book from four feet. Although he had the putt, like, you know, 25 minutes before that. Uh, but in general, like he has been playing very well. Uh, basically, you know, everyone's kind of curious what he would have in the bag this year. Speaking of Adam Scott, actually, let's touch on this for a second. Uh, something that we we could have touched on actually at the beginning of the show. Um, you know, we are going <laughs> to, we'll keep talking with the players in a second here. 
He chose to not use a driver in the first round and his strokes gain driving was atrocious. I think he had two different three woods in the bag. You know, I think trying to hit more fairways, you know, I think it was Phil tried this one time at the, at the U S open with like resounding, terrible failure. Can you think of any reason why you wouldn't have a driver in play while you're playing on the PGA tour on long golf courses? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a first for me. I, I don't, uh, that would give me the fear. Have you have you ever had a player that like just refused to use a driver? Y- yes, um, and it's just because they were just a bad driver of the ball. Um, obviously, that's why everyone does it. But they, uh, I mean, this person used to hit driver off the deck, um, and it was just a complete nightmare. Actually, it was probably one of the worst things I've ever watched in my life. Um, <laughs> And I've played a lot of golf with them. So yeah, it's uh it's definitely an interesting concept. I, I still think, you know, there's there's ways to figure it out and get those demons out and go smash the driver. Yeah, it's uh I know I know Rory mentioned it uh on the on the Sunday after he's like, you know, you just literally like it's very hard to hit a fairway anyways, kind of like, you know, kind of the US open style. I wouldn't, you know, when Bryson won, it was kind of everyone thought of the same thing, just hit it as far as possible. And you know, um we had Marty again. I feel like we reference this podcast like once every couple of weeks when we had Marty on from Marty Jertson from ping, he talked about strokes gain driving and how basically, you know, for good players hitting it straight is obviously like a great thing, but you know, dispersion is going to be like X it's going to be a value regardless of what it is, you know, like even some of the best players in the world, they're going to miss their missed rate is like say 50 yards wide at say 325 yards. It's a long freaking way. Like a golf ball is going to travel and be further offline because of higher speeds. So if you're going to miss it, miss it further. Like mm-hmm. to think that he, again, he's always been a good driver of the golf ball. Like for, to think of any reason to not use a driver, the only other player that I can possibly think of, uh, I know not, not to pick on him at all. Like it was, it was always like someone who I like to follow was Eddie Pepperell last year at some point was still using the, was only using the TaylorMade uh, 300 mini. It was his only driver. He had like that. And then he went, I think it was only fairy wood or wood in the bag. And then he immediately went to like a, uh, some type of like driving iron, one iron, which is like ridiculous. Uh, I don't really understand the bag setup, but the driver was something that he struggled with. It was something that he played a uh, ping driver in the past when he was with Mizuno it was the one holdout in his bag. That's why he didn't stick around because they, the, the contracts change. That's why you see a lot of Mizuno players now using the driver. Uh, but no, that's the only other time I can possibly think of. And I think it was because for Eddie, you know, he hasn't been playing very well right now. I think he might've been injured, but to get those demons out, like, I don't know, <laughs> as you've seen me, Mike, just keep hitting the driver until you find a fairway. Eventually you're going to find it. Even- eventually you're going to find it. And you'll be like, okay, maybe I can, maybe I can try that again. Um, but to, to go back, if, if I had to pick somebody right now, uh, I want to say Justin Thomas seems like the obvious pick, um, but I'm not, I'm not going to pick him. I'm not going to pick the obvious pick. Uh, I'm going to go with the decky. It's, it's a, it's a golf course that re- doesn't require a ton of length. Uh, I think, I think if there was like a, from a target perspective, I would think of, you know, of course the tiger also one of them was the zoo, like in Japan, the Zozo tree lined a little tighter. I know TB Sawgrass has a, has a huge, uh, value put on on hitting fairways hitting greens short game is very important it's not overly overly long it, it, it accepts a lot of players like i mentioned earlier everyone from like craig perks which was kind of like his only win on tour fred funk winning 
to, you know, Sergio and Adam Scott. So it's a course that doesn't really favor anybody, but it's, it's always hard to bet against Hideki. That's a good pick. Very, very good pick. And he's hot right now. Yeah. He's, he's playing quite well. One of the, one of the, actually one of the fascinating things I know we've talked about it uh, is uh, I don't think it made the cut as far as maybe because we weren't filming. Maybe we were just, maybe we we're just uh, diving deep into our, our tour truck trailer video. And if you haven't seen it, be sure to go check out the YouTube page uh, where um, I get a tour with uh, Paul, the director of tour operations from true temper Acra Aerotech in their, their van. And they go through, uh, we go through the van. We, we kind of show off some stuff, but one of the things he mentioned was when the tour issue product. So the tour issue uh, band from true temper comes with a, I think it's like one plus or minus like half a gram. So it's like one gram tolerance across the board. When Hideki's team comes in to pick out an iron set, they've got like iron bundles ready to go uh, because he's Hideki and you kind of get that treatment. Uh, they are all down exactly to a 10th of a gram. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, I love, I love that story. I'm like, do you think he'd notice? And they're like, yeah, we don't, we don't really want to test them. <laughs> Which oh, I always think is really funny. I know like as far as club specs is concerned, I think he's probably one of the most precise guys on tour. He's always testing, but I think he's uh, definitely one of the most precise players on tour. Do you ever have a really picky player, Mike? Yeah, actually. And and I'm allowed to say his name because uh, he's a good, uh, good friend and a good customer, but Mike Camilleri who played in the NHL um, is extremely picky. Um, geez. Now there's another picky guy in my mind that I'm thinking of, but Mike is um, obviously professional athlete. Um you know, used to having the best of equipment at his fingertips at all times. And uh, he was telling me back in the day when he played CCM, because he was kind of like breathing over my, my neck one time watching me build golf clubs. And uh, we were, we were hitting swing weight points. Like there was no, no D3.1 for him. It was D3 or bust. And um, you know, we, we were whittling down lead tip weights to get it absolutely perfect. But he was telling me back in the day, like he used to go down to, um, CCM like in Mexico, um, and like make his own sticks, like add his own bend to it. Like try to feel the flex again. I don't play hockey and I'm probably sound like a complete tool trying to explain this, but, um, just trying to get the, the hockey stick to feel exactly how he, how he liked it. And, um, he basically said, you know, up until when they got rid of production in, in Mexico and moved it overseas, you know, he says there, there was just no hockey stick like he had back in the early days. So um, that pickiness in his hockey equipment has gone into his, his, you know, retired golf craze that he's in and he's an amazing golfer and, um, you know, plays a lot of Canadian amateur events and stuff like that. And um, he's extremely picky with feel and he can, he can feel if there's one rapid tape or two rapid tape, he's just got that, that, you know, that he just knows what's right and what's wrong. So um it's, it's always, I'm never, I'm never afraid to work with people like that, but it's just always interesting to, to hear what, you know, what some people are like when it comes to their equipment. I can think of, of a couple of people. One, one was a golfer, good player. Uh, he was very sensitive to lie angle. So we'd always like, he'd always check, he'd always check like, yeah, this one's kind of like left or right a little bit and come in and, you know, if he hit golf balls for a while or something and like, it's like, you know, are you sure? He's like, yeah, yeah, let's go check it out. And you know what? I would say, you know, 85% of the time he was, he was right. Like something was off a little bit. And I always was, was quite impressed by that. Uh, no, again, good player, but uh, much to your point about professional athlete, um, you know, professional in a, in a different sense, but it's definitely someone who is uh, very good at with their hands. 
was, uh, I can remember a, a surgeon. I was talking to someone and, uh, I was like, are you like, we're like, how did, like, are you sure? Like, you know, if, and we didn't do, I, I didn't do the work on this person's clubs. They came in and they were like, something's off. Like one of these clubs doesn't feel right. And you know, it just like something like just something was off and started talking to him. And I'm like, okay, well like, Oh, you know, kind of shooting the breeze, kind of like checking some, some specs on everything, looking at swing and everything was kind of like fine. And then, uh, what had happened was, and I, I swear, I swear scouts on, this is the, the whole truth. He's like, I think it's like the top end of my clubs. Like, I think it's like the, I think it was like a four to five iron. So I went, I cut, I said, are you, can I cut the grips? He's like, yeah, yeah, just whatever. Like, you know, cut the six off so we can at least see what's going on, what that's supposed to be. And then we'll, we'll check out the other ones. Cause there was something I, I couldn't really measure it. It was very difficult. And I swear, I'm not lying. A different brand of two-sided tape that was a little bit thicker. I know it sounds ridiculous. Trust me. I don't even believe that I said this. And I'm like, what do you do? And he's like, oh, I, I'm a surgeon. And I was like, okay, cool. You know what? <laughs> totally believe you. Like, it is, it is pretty amazing that the, the touch that some people have, and you know, if, if I had to, I would definitely trust that guy with the performing surgery on me. hundred percent. I, I just, you know, people can definitely feel a difference and um, you know uh, you know, I think I've said this in the past, obviously spending time with the guys down at artisan, you know, those boys used to build golf clubs for, you know, some pretty important tour players. And, you know, some of the stories that came out of there, man, that's uh that's a Miller light conversation because they are, uh, there are some incredible stories of just on, on players feel and set, you know, how they're, how much they use sound on, on good shots and how that can play down to different effects of, Hey, this feels heavy. It sounds tingy, you know, like just so many little things that, you know, when you're playing for millions and millions of dollars, it, it definitely, it definitely matters. I, I, I thought it was, it is, it's fascinating because, you know, when we talk about, uh, we talk about feel, we talk about how important it is during, during the fitting process. This is where, you know, you don't have to be a, and this, and to the, like, to that point, like this, this doctor who is like very keen on his grips, he was not a like scratch golfer. He was probably like a 10 to 12 handicap, which is still very good. Like, let's be very frank about that. He's still a very good player. Um, but it was just the, the in tuneness with like the feels that he was like trying to create with his, with his clubs and I always thought that was like a fascinating thing um, because it does, it's, it's so important. So when you are going for a fit, if I was to like offer somebody a tip, like, you know, this is where you don't, you don't have to go beat golf balls the, the week before, but if, at least if you're getting into like some sort of rhythm going into your fitting, it's very important. You don't want to go into a fitting cold because it's hard to like recreate that feel. Like the reason someone like that person is so good with their hands is because they use them all the time. Literally, it is their job to understand the feel and, and pressure and all these different things that are going on. And with your golf swing, if you're just trying to like go through the, the motion and you haven't done it in a month or two months and you try and get yourself up for a fitting, uh, I can't say the results are going to be absolutely great uh, necessarily. It doesn't mean they won't be good, but you know, to try and understand that rhythm and kind of dial all those things in, I think is always uh, is very important. So that would be the, the tip that I would leave somebody with that. Uh, what would be your tip going into a fitting, Mike? They're going for a fitting. Um, I've seen it a lot the last couple of weeks. Uh, don't, don't be nervous. My goodness, please don't be nervous. There's, you know, yes, we can, we can all play decent level amount of golf, but I can hit a shank just as fast as the next guy. Um, you're not, I've said this before. You're not there to impress me. I'm there to impress you. So 
just have fun, take your time, breathe a little bit, uh, come in comfortable clothes. You don't have to look like you're going to play in your first ever major. Um, just, just come in relaxed and, um, you know, yeah, go, go hit a couple, a couple balls before your session, you know, a couple days before, just so you're not, you know, coming in cold Turkey, but just relax, have a good time, ask questions. Um, but don't be nervous. There's no reason to be nervous. Yeah. It's a, it's always, always sound advice. And I think the, to add to that, you know, one question I get all the time, we do the Q and A's is, you know, what should I think about? What should I do? And I said, just be educated to ask some of the questions that you're curious about, right? You know, we get questions all the time. Obviously people have questions going to a fitting. A lot of people haven't done it before. Uh, there are people who are regular fitters or regular golfers that go for fittings, like say once a year, once every couple of years, or they go once a year because they're like rotating, getting fit for different things in their bags. But, you know, make sure you don't have to do research. You don't have to know specs, but just understand, like, if you have any concerns, ask your fitter. I always say some of the, the, the best thing about professional club fitters is the fact that their goal is to communicate. Their goal is to help you understand what's going into your bag. So, you know, c- communicate to them so they can communicate back to you. And the other part of that is if, if you feel something doesn't feel right, just like, you know, we talked about with the hands or grip or whatever it happens to be, make sure you say it. You don't want to be, you don't want to get the phone call after you don't want to be driving home after you're fitting and say, oh, I should have asked that or, oh, I should have. And you might have those anyways. And you can always send an email or send a text or whatever, you know, however communication is kind of run through your fitter. But to be able to like get your questions answered while you're going, because you don't say, oh, I, you know what? I did, Maybe it's a dumb question. There's no such thing as a stupid question. If you're thinking it, someone else has probably thought it before and, and almost guaranteed that fitter has been asked that question. And it is, you know, their job to answer it, <laughs> to be very honest and be very frank. I think it's the, uh, I think it's the most important element. Um, well, Mike, you know what? That was a great chat. Always fun. You know, we didn't, you know what? The one thing we, you know, we always talk about retro stuff. You didn't even touch on Scotty Scheffler still using that old Nike ferry. He got it in the bag. Still can't get rid of it. Can't get rid of it. I don't, I don't blame him. I know they, 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 they got a lot of crap for a lot of their metal woods. Um, but I was always a fan of that. The VR stuff, the the fixed hosel. I know you've got the driver you mentioned in the past. I hit the VR pro hybrid, the kind of Adamsy looking squared one. That was a fun club. I, I mean, I had that for a while. I had a project X hybrid jacked in it. That was, you know, for the time was a pretty new and cool thing. Um, every time I see Scotty stuff, I'm like, man, I shouldn't have got rid of that hybrid. <laughs> No kidding. Yeah. It's, it's funny when it's funny when we get rid of some of that equipment and then you look back and you go, God, I wish I never got rid of that thing. And, and to the people, we had a lot of people reach out again. This was, we do appreciate it. Like we get a lot. I mean, I get the number of people reach out. We've even had some emails about it um, to everyone that listened to the top five irons uh, conversation when we talked about some old stuff. And then we talked about, you know, you and I did that little video recently where we tested the, the, the ping zing, Fairywood. I will next oh, yeah. time I see it, Mike. I'm going to make sure I bring the other one, the Zing Two, and they are they are beautiful. They are these they are spectacular looking golf clubs. They're just little works of art. They're brand new. They've never been hit. I don't know how I got them. I don't know how they did never got hit in that whatever 15 years or 25 years since they've been put together. Uh, but we had some people reach out about testing some I2s. So I'm hopefully going to have some get dropped off in the next little bit at the shop, and we will be able to do a video testing some I2s and maybe we'll put them against the an iron that you already tested, which was the I uh, was it 525. Five two five, yeah, that'd be a good little test. I, I'd be, I'd be curious. I know um, 
especially when it comes to the, the, the I-2s, there was a heck of a lot of offset in those things. So uh, even from a looks perspective, I'd be very curious, like the dynamics, because I think what would be cool would be to test loft for loft and then see what happens at impact. Because a lot of people ask, like, what does offset do? You know, we've, I've heard like, a number of different like descriptions for it. Some old school people think it takes loft off. Some people like, you know, dynamically it should add loft. Uh, but it is an interesting question. I think it's one that we can uh, we can possibly answer. Look at this. We're just having a little, uh, little content conversation here now, Mike. We're working for the future. There you go. Love it. Excited. So, uh, yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening along. Mike, it was, uh, it was a pleasure to chat again, as always. And uh, I look forward to uh, checking out and watching the players.